Hello, listeners. Welcome to This is the Pits. <laughs> That's my attempt at a, at a jingle. So I hope you liked it. Um, I'm Chelsea Greenwood. And I'm Michael Oberst. This is This is the Pits with Chelsea Greenwood and Michael Oberst. That's right. Welcome to it. Uh, this week we're doing 12 Monkeys starring what's his name and what's his name? Bruce Willis. Bruce and Willis Brad Pitt. and Brad Pitt. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, in this podcast, every week we are watching a new Brad Pitt movie. We're watching every movie from his career in order, chronologically. Um, and now we are on episode – What even what episode is this, like 11 or 12? No, this is like 13. This is 12. 12, 12 episode, 12 monkeys. I mean to say – and I'm glad that you said that because I was – as I sat down to watch this movie, I realized he did 12 monkeys. He did Ocean's 12. And he produced 12 Years a Slave. And so maybe he's got a little, maybe there's like magic in the number 12. Um, maybe there is because guess who was born on February 12th? You. Me. This guy right here. February yes. 12th. Well, it's magic. Guess who's, guess who's got the number 12 in his email? This guy right here. That's... I'm not sure I want to blast my email, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it does have a 12 in it. That's amazing. I, but then I was also thinking he did seven and seven years in Tibet. So maybe these are just maybe seven and twelve are his two lucky numbers. What what month were you born? November. Oh. Eighteenth. For some be. reason, I was hoping it would be a seven. Wouldn't that just be something? <laughs> it is. November eighteenth, your birthday's coming right up. She is, and she's very close to Thanksgiving, and I start my new job, so it's going to be the most intense week of Ooh. my life. My whole family's going to be in town for Thanksgiving. I will have just had my first week at a job. I hope we're watching a good BP movie that week. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, we are. We're, I mean, by then, I think we'll be watching a bunch of good BP movies. We, I think we're sort of out of the garbage ones. Well, I'm funny. It's funny you should say that because I didn't really like this movie. <laughs> Whoa, <Wait>. what? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting because I did. I know. I, m- most people do. I. Well, I... Sorry. Well, at the end of last week, uh, when we did seven, I told you I'm so excited to do 12 Monkeys. I think I like it more. I completely lied. I had definitely never seen this movie before. <laughs> I, well, I, in my head somewhere I had, but no, definitely not. Okay, you know what? I know what you mean, though, because I thought somewhere in my head that I sort of knew what this movie was going to be like. Like, yeah. I thought, like, I think I was confusing it with – um, with uh, Definitely not 12 Years a Slave. What's it called? 12 um, Angry Men. 12 Angry Men? I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's because I I thought that I think George Clooney's in 12 Angry Men. So isn't 12 Angry Men about a jury? It's just 12 guys in a room talking about a jury on a jury. It's a play. I don't know. I actually don't know anything about 12 Angry Men either. Yeah, but it is. It does have. Uh, oh no, it's old. It's an old, old movie. Yeah, it's a play. It's a great play. But if that's what you thought this movie was, you were in for a major no. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't. I did not think that that's what this was. But I, um, I don't know what I, I just. I don't know. I, I don't know what I thought this was going to be. But this, this movie, I liked it. I mean, I'm. I at first I really didn't. I was like, "Oh God, here we go." Yeah. But then I, it, it, by the end, I was like, "Oh, okay, I like it. I like it. It like gets its legs late in the movie." It's 
smart, I guess. It's well thought out. It's Terry Gilliam. <laughs> smart, I guess. <laughs> I really didn't. I don't like the steampunk aesthetic in general. So it, uh, yeah. it kind of that kind of bugs me. I thought that like, I don't know. I was hoping that I would have a lot more to say about it by watching the movie that it was based on, which is Le Jetee, a movie from nineteen from the sixties, a French twenty six minute movie. Yeah, this morning when you texted me that you were watching Le Jetee, I was like, oh, cool. Why should I care? No offense, but why do I care? Well, you clearly hadn't done your research because that's the first I hadn't thing done any comes research. up. I did a little research and I was like, oh, that's why. Um, yeah. But anyway, before we dive into the movie, do you have anything to report on your end? Anything interesting happening in, in your world? No, nothing. I did. I mean, let's see. No, nothing really. I mean, should we plug socials? Yeah, let's plug socials. Follow us on Instagram. I have become extremely active on it. Um, yeah, so, th- I mean, we record a few weeks ahead of um, release. So, right now, this is the week where if you follow us on Instagram, you may have noticed we are suddenly very active and we have an explosion of followers. We yeah. have a whopping. Like, what, 90 now? 80-something? No, we've got 93, I believe. But this time last week, we had 45, so I consider that huge growth. Making moves. 92. Oh, wait, someone unfollowed us. We had 93, and then it just went down to 92. Is this real? Well, <laughs> well we haven't, we've been dormant. Someone's fed up. Yeah, but if you're dormant, people aren't going like, wait a minute, they haven't posted in a while. <laughs> Goodbye. They go unfollow. Yeah, no one does that. It's, I think it's the opposite. I think if you're too active, they will find you and unfollow you. But then again... You know, I have to say having like I tried to do a, a push like an influencer push like m- doing a couple hours a day on Instagram just to see what it was like. And I called my sister who considers herself an influencer. And I was like, this is the most exhausting fucking thing in the world. Like it's so counterintuitive to push yourself and your brand for me. Like, hey, guys, look, watch yeah. what look what we're doing. What we're, Watch what we're doing. So followers, listeners, just know that. I appreciate every follow so much because it's genuinely hard work for me and it does not come naturally. Same, 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 same. In fact, it like I cringe thinking about every post. I cringe every single time I post on Instagram. I cringe me at too. myself. Well, and then my <laughs> personal Instagram then posts from this is the pits and I go, we're really fucking doing this. Okay, here we go. My friends know that I'm the most annoying person on the planet. <laughs> yep. And my, my, Instagram, I just don't post on it because I like it's too much for me. Like I'll I'll post on my story, but like my, I just it's I don't know. No, 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 no. You save your actual wall content for your life, not for this podcast. Well, my wall content has like four posts of this podcast already, so I <laughs> <It> can't. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, uh, so do you want to plug your personal Instagram account? <laughs> no, I don't want to plug my personal Instagram account. Wow. Don't look me in the eyes. That's what I want. Nobody look me in the eyes. <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> just listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, that's all. That's the whole point of everything I do is just to listen to the podcast. And you also mentioned we got our third follower on Twitter. So welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have our third follower on Twitter besides you and me, by the way. Our personal <laughs> Twitters are the only other people that follow our Twitter. And uh, our third follower is none other than Brad Pitt. Oh my God, Brad Pitt himself followed us. Yeah, he's our biggest fan. It's uh, just, <laughs> I'm, and then the funny thing is Brad Pitt's um, Twitter account just says, 
His bio is, I'm Brad Pitt, your favorite actor. Yeah, well, that sounds like about right. He knows. He's not a man of many words off screen. No, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't need to be. And that was another funny thing, too, that happened because of social media with Ronnie Joe slash Aaron Mills actually spoke to Brad Pitt himself as well, who asked him for oh, $20 right. million. Dollars, yes. Which was so fun and entertaining to watch the evolution of that conversation. Yeah, somebody somebody who um, is one of our friends and uh, also follows us on Instagram told us that a different follower on Instagram who we do not know in real life, uh, who's is Brad Pitt. Apparently, it's Brad Pitt. There's a lot. It's of, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt has like sixty different uh, social media accounts, and I would love to think that he's actually operating all of them. Yeah, he's so much more active than I actually thought he was. Yeah, it's crazy. I wonder, like, what if he did and he just, like, he does operate them and it's, like, he says crazy outlandish things like give me $20 million just to, like, maintain the fantasy so that nobody suspects that it's actually him. Yeah. But in real life, it really is him. And he, thought, just... he doesn't actually expect $20, $20 million, but he's just, you know – it's part of the fantasy. Yeah. he's. I just like to think of him sitting at home, going through every single Brad Pitt account, being like, just like following people, posting pictures of him naked, <laughs> etc. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting that we have our third Twitter follower and it happens to be the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> I will post this on our Instagram. Coming on up. A picture yep. of it. Um, so, should we, I mean, how's your life been? I have nothing to report. I have I have two weeks off. Uh, it's freezing cold here in New York City. I had food poisoning. I couldn't be more boring right now. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I'm also boring because I'm not working either. Yeah. I have a job coming up. It's so funny that I moved to L.A. and then I got hired for a month-long job back in San Francisco. So I'm going oh. back for a month. But it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, but until then, I'm also very boring. I'm going to be in L.A., this week, and we're going to do some IRLs. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're coming in like three days. I know. I'm so excited. It's so cold here. I'm ready for the sunshine, lollipops, Halloween. Same Z's, Miss same Z's. <laughs> well, anything else I can think of to talk to you about that's not 12 Monkeys related? I just like never want to talk about 12 Monkeys, so. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's talk about 12 Monkeys. We're okay. doing it. All right. Okay. Um, so... So wait, wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. What? Before we start talking about it, this is about it. Okay, I was confused because okay. I watched it. I bought it on. I rented it on Amazon, Dang. and the date that it came out, it said on Amazon was 1998, which I think was probably like a DVD release or something that Amazon put that number out. On his filmography, this movie says it was a 1995 movie, but if you Google it, it says it's a 1996 movie. Okay, so I have I I can answer a little bit of that because I knew you could. it was released uh, in a limited because it it went to Sundance it was at Sundance mm-hmm. so it which is in September yeah so it went to Sundance and then it got distribution and it had a limited release in 1995 and I think they did that so that they could be a part of the Oscar conversation for 1996 which they were. Which they were. Mm-hmm. But so December, it was like December 28th, 1995 was the limited release. So like barely coming in under the wire. But then the wide release was January something, 1996. 
Right. So it was limited release in 1995 so that it could make it into the 1996 Oscars. Though technically it came out wide release in 1996. That makes sense. I just wanted, I didn't know for the sake of this podcast whether or not I should be doing research for 1996, but I didn't. I'm going to save that for the next episode when we go into Sleepersville, which is an official 96 for 97 Oscar season. What movie? Sleepers. Is the next one? Sleepers? Um, Anyway. Okay. So. 12 Monkeys. It comes out, let's just say, early uh, 1996. It's directed by Terry Gilliam, who uh, is a really great director. Wow, yeah. What a what an intro that was to him. <laughs> well, I, uh, I was reading the EW review of this movie, and they refer to him as a poet of decay, which I really liked. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great tidbit. <laughs> Um, I'm sure Terry Gilliam loved that. I'm sure he like jerked off thinking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, this movie starts off with Bruce Willis just confused the whole time. I mean, he's confused. It's just, it's kind of crazy. Like the way this movie plays out in the beginning, at, at first I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Because yeah. he is so, first of all, I thought that the future that they were, living in was like 1997 me too me too and that's why i wrote down in my notes i was like i don't get it i don't like seeing a movie about the future that's already happened in the past for me right now (laughs) if that makes sense oh yeah like i like a future that is like 2035 which it turns out we were supposed to think but it was unclear it was supposed to be ambiguous yeah um, it was never specified, but I, the thing is, is like somewhere I got the impression that it was 1997 and I, I wonder if maybe, uh, who knows, but, um, uh, so, so that was confusing. And then when he gets, I mean, there's a disease that takes over, you know, kills 5 billion people. And so Bruce Willis, um, a billion is sent- people. That's what I said. Did I say million? I don't know. But just to be clear, Sorry. it's the whole face of the earth. It's pretty much in everybody. Um, so some scientists, I guess, some just people, send Bruce Willis back in time to, well, they try to send him to 1996, but they fail miserably, and they send him to 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we see some Bruce Willis butt, and then... We do see... We see a few butts. In this movie. We see two Bruce Willis butts and one Brad Pitt butt. Which, like, thank God for that Brad Pitt butt. <laughs> I mean, is that the first time we've seen his bare butt? So aggressively, yeah. <laughs> that is an aggressive butt. Yeah, I, I think they they must have like sewed his the front of his pants to his shirt because I was waiting for his the front of his pants to also go down. Yeah, and he was jumping around and leaping around and they weren't going down. So mm-hmm. anyway, um. <clears throat> So, uh, he goes, so he, the first thing he does when he gets there, how does he get to jail? He goes to jail like right away. He goes to jail because he beats up the cops and he puts them in, he like hurts cops. And so we see him, I think, which is what? 1990. Yeah. It's 1990. It's 1990. And the first time we see him, he has been arrested and he's in chains because I, we don't see this, but he, he has brutally attacked a few policemen and put them in the hospital. And so that's why he's changed. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, I don't get, I mean, my first note for, for that was like, 
stop acting crazy. Like, like well, he doesn't know what it. he's doing. He's time traveled. Yeah, but I thought at this time, I thought that it was only like six or seven years <laughs> earlier. And so I was like, have you forgotten how to act like a normal human? But also time society? travel is, I don't think he knew he was going to be time traveling when they put him under. Did they? Did he? Yeah, they said to go take notes. It's still such a fucking mind fuck. Excuse me, you're talking about time travel as if it's like getting on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, if I got sent back to 1995, I mean, yeah, it'd be a little jarring at first, but I'd be like, okay, no sudden movements. That's all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe like, just maybe don't low. beat up cops in any year ever. <laughs> yeah, maybe just go like start with buying a pack of gum and like see how it goes. Yeah. You know, and work your way up from there. Yeah, fair enough, Michael. Fair enough. Like, what the fuck is he doing wiling out all over the place constantly? I mean, yeah, you hit the ground running, start beating up cops. And then you go to – and then, like, he also starts – he's, like, talking like he's, you know, just not, like – like, he's, like – Like, he's, he's a just lunatic. Himself. Like, he's a lunatic. He's talking like a lunatic. He's repeating himself. He's, like, sweating. I realize he's drooling because he was drugged. But also, I mean, come on. Like, he's, like <laughs> – they're like trying to ask him normal questions, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> it's crazy, and it's funny. Pull it together. Well, and this is like part one of the many backbones of this movie is the whole Cassandra complex thing, which was that like if Jesus Christ were to come back right now, would we believe that he was actually Jesus Christ, or would we lock him up? Because we're not going to believe a fucking person telling us that he's time traveled from the future, which is the first half of the movie. Everybody else in the thing, everybody in the current day, that whatever it is that he's in, is like, this person's crazy. Yeah. And well, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that, that's exactly it. It's like it, it, he is acting crazy because he kind of just... Because he's been fucking sucked in through time and space. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I, I have never sucked through time and space. Um, you sure talking like you have, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that I would be fine. I think I do a little bit better. Like if I was sucked back into a time where I was alive at one point, yeah. I feel like I would be able to, you know, roll with it. Even, even a little bit before, like 10 years before in like the eighties, I feel like I would be able to roll with it. I think you're right. I don't know. I, I that is a very big pothole. That it's like, why the fuck was he going so crazy upon arrival? Maybe it's because like he came back as a homeless and then, person, maybe, and people were harassing him or something. I mean, who knows? Uh, we, okay, so on the other hand, those people who sent him back just sent him so ill prepared. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're sending they're sending like prisoners who are like trying to get. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, d- d- not dismissed. Um, you know. Uh, d- forgiven. Forgiven. Whatever. What's the word? He gets it. Pardoned. You know. He gets pardoned. Pardoned. Yeah. Yes. He's trying to get. They're, they're sending prisoners who are trying to get pardoned, and they're sending them so ill prepared. They're just like, all right, just go and uh, take notes. And if you need anything, call this phone number and leave a message. And he's like, uh, okay, I guess. And then, like, you go and you're not prepared. You know, you get arrested, you go to an insane asylum, which you have no idea really what an insane asylum I mean, maybe he does know what an insane asylum is, but chances are he's not super familiar with an insane asylum or how they work. I don't know. I, I still feel like I would be able to, like, 
you know, Blend pull it back in like, and complete your mission. You're on a mission. You're there for a reason. I feel like you would do a great job and you'd blend in and you would like complete the mission. You'd call the number. You'd be like, I think we're in the wrong year. Send me to 1996. What I'm saying is if you're on, if, if you have a time traveling mission, just send me on it. I'm the one to go send me on your time traveling missions. I support that. I think you'd do great. If Thank I were, you. But I wouldn't want to do this mission. I'd want to go to a different year, different time, different people, different places. This mission's too hard. It's too hard and too confusing. I mean, he has to like... So that's my major problem with this movie. It's too fucking confusing what the mission it's is. It's confusing. The first... Oh, yeah. That's true, too. The mission itself is like, what? what is he supposed to do? Right. Is the I mission to stop the spread of disease? Is it to find out how the disease gets spread? Like, to what end? I think it just the... happens so quickly. Like, I think the disease spreads so quickly that they have no idea where it came from or how it started. And But they now have time travel available. And so they're like, look, we have time travel. We can – but, yeah, okay, so that's also weird is that they just want – they don't want to change the course of history. They just want to get information. And maybe it's because when you travel through time, you know, you're not supposed to mess with anything. Yeah. Because, like, um, you know, well, just because of the ripple effect or whatever. So they don't want to stop it because all of a sudden the world will just be overpopulated again or something. Who knows? They just want to get the information, I think, so they can fix it so that they can go back to living a normal life. Right. Okay. So in La Jetée, which is what this movie is based on, there's a clear mission, which is that because – I mean it's a totally different film, but – and I'm only bringing this up to inform – a different theory, which is like that mission there was to go into the past and bring like plants and animals and like things that were lost in world war three, which in this movie is a plague. So it's like to go oh. and bring things back to the future to repopulate. Also in legend, oh. he goes to the future as well. In this movie, he oh, doesn't. that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's really great. And legend is only still photography. So it's just pictures with a narrator. It's really beautiful. Oh, wow. You should watch it. It's 26 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. Anyway. Oh, okay. So, right. So this is one of my biggest problems with this movie is that the mission makes no fucking sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. But we have cast the biggest star of the day who is Bruce Willis. Like this was, he was huge. Peak Bruce Willis. Peak yeah. Bruce Willis. He's huge. And then in walks William Bradley Pitt to the scene. And I had the same thought that I have in so many of these movies where he's not the lead. Yeah. Where I just think, oh yeah, Brad Pitt's in this movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah Brad Pitt's in this movie. Totally. A <laughs> uh, couple of things about how Brad Pitt got into this movie. He contacted Terry Gilliam and said, I want to be in this movie. I want to play the Bruce Willis character. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. And Terry Gilliam said no. Uh, <laughs> he, I, and he had wanted Johnny Depp to play uh, Goins, who is Jeff Goins, who is Brad's mm-hmm. character. Um but I watched right. an Inside the Actor Studio thing with Terry Gilliam, and he talks about how he said, I can't say I directed him. I put him in the right place with the right time, and he worked his ass off for this role. He didn't think that he was going to be able to talk fast enough, like because the character is so frenetic and talking fast and blah, 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 blah. He sent him to a speech coach, and the speech coach called Terry Gilliam and was like, what in the fuck are you giving me this lazy-tongued kid from Missouri who smokes too much? He'll never be able to do it. And Brad worked his ass off day in and day out to do it. And he did it. And he did it. And a classic thing about Brad, which we're learning with every episode, is that he he 
told Terry Gilliam he wanted to do his hair like that. It was his idea to do like the the wide angle contact contacts. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, Brad Pitt created that character more than he ever did before. I think that's something that's really special that Brad Pitt can bring to the table when he's a supporting actor. Totally. I think as a lead actor, there's only so much he can do because it's like the lead. So the yeah. director, like it, the director needs to kind of steer the character a little bit. Yeah. Um, like in seven, like he did add some of his own things, but the director sort of reeled him in. He, he, yeah, the director has to, but like for something like this or true romance or Thelma and Louise, Brad Pitt can add a lot of his own. Yeah. Um, and he's really good at it. And I, it makes yeah. me really appreciate it. I actually wrote down after just in the research phase, I was like, he's a real true artist. Like he has a vision for his characters and he puts that vision forth. It's like a painter with a painting. He has a vision for what he's going to paint, and he paints it. And so for yeah. the first time, I was like, oh, Brad Pitt's actually an artist. Like he's some, There's an argument. Some people think that actors aren't artists, and some people think they, they are. I don't really fall anywhere on that spectrum, but I think Brad Pitt is. That being said, I could not stand him in this movie. I also could not stand him in this movie, because here's the deal. It's a little bit problematic, first too of all. Too much. Too much. Chill the fuck out. Nobody acts like that. Like, and to for, for him to take like a crazy person, yeah. which, by the way, they don't like being called crazy, <laughs> and, and, and making them look like that, it's yeah. just like, it's like unfair and it's over the top and it's, it's just bananas. I did not like it. I was like, you're acting too much. Like, stop fucking acting. Stop doing this. Like, chill the fuck out. Meanwhile, he wins his very first Golden Globe for this role. Okay. Yes. But, okay, back to his acting, though, for a second. Because for, for at first, I was like, this is wild. This is too much. It's yeah. crazy. But then later on, the, the movie for me, it, like, took a turn. And I, I'm not sure. I'd have to think about it more to think about, like, when that point was for me. But, like... It, at a certain point, it, it it turns from being something that is this movie that's over the top. It's over stylized. I don't like the acting. You know, the story's confusing to being this movie that actually is interesting. And it's not what I thought it was. And it has something to say. Yeah. And suddenly the acting doesn't seem as corny. And like Brad Pitt's. I know for sure the scene where they're at the fancy dinner and Brad Pitt's there. Mm-hmm. Um, he like. Like in that scene, I was like, "Oh wait, actually, Brad Pitt might be doing good." Oh, I know. Actually, also the scene where he gave him the key, I was like, "Oh, he's not just playing this like aimlessly manic character. He's just like being. He's he's just trying to be high energy yeah. and eccentric. Right. He's not trying to play downright crazy. He's right. just playing high energy. He's just. I think you're right about that. And I think also because we're watching this movie for a Brad Pitt podcast, I'm hypercritical of him, and so I was just right. like, I don't like this. It makes me uncomfortable. But I mean, coming off Legends of Fall. Well. At seven, it's like. Yeah. It was intense. I I think I didn't like the movie the whole time I was watching it. <laughs> but I think maybe when you're when that turn happened for you is when they introduce a, a kind of a romance and a humanization of this guy and um like when they start to care for each other, he and the and the girl and the woman, um, it takes a turn which I didn't like. I didn't want there to be a romance. No, there. I didn't want there to be a romance either. And I mean, I sort of I felt like that um, at the beginning when she was like being all like concerned with him. I was like, oh no, are they gonna fall in love? Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah, I didn't like it. I was just like, because 
this movie is so complex and you have to really think about it. I still don't really fucking get it. Um, I'm like, don't just give me the romance because it's a movie from the 90s and you need to have a romance in there. You know? Yeah. And maybe and maybe this is the kind of movie that if I saw it when it came out, I would have been like, fuck yeah, this is so cool. It's amazing. But seeing it now, it was just like, no. See, because I think, yeah, like, okay, so the romance didn't work for me. But, like, I think towards the end, it it's just that whatever that turning point was for me, once it happens, it, it, it lifts up the first half of the movie. Like, the first right. half of the movie, I feel like, gets better because the second half of the movie sort of justifies the first half yeah okay so you know what i mean yeah. it validates it 100 percent. it's like all the things that don't really make sense in the beginning you're like oh okay like it's like you have a it's all it's like a puzzle um a lot of the things that didn't work in the beginning worked in the second half just right. because it's like yeah. a puzzle it's like you get a box of broken puzzle pieces and it's all jangled and marbled and you're like this is looks like an actual mess and then give it a half an hour you have a puzzle on your hands and you start to see the pieces put together yeah, because at the beginning it's just like Brad Pitt acting weird and canted angles. You're like, ooh, art, film art. Oh, you know? those angles, that fucking fisheye thing. I just can't with it. I, um, it, you know what? Also, it felt like, um, you remember that movie Hook? Of course, great movie. Love that movie. Yeah. But remember when he first shows up to Neverland? Um, Peter first shows up to Neverland, mm-hmm. and it's like he's like what like what's going on like everything's weird and like kind of steampunky yeah. that's what this movie felt like in the beginning yeah lots of Chris clocks Willis. i just kept thinking like why am i so they're in some time in the future it looks like it's 19 19- i again with you thought it was 1997 i was like why are we in steampunkville like why do they have 600 clocks <laughs> why is he watching all these tvs like it seems like after a plague i don't know it just i get his vision like he I get it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. You know? No, I get that. And that's fair. I mean, you just you just don't like it. I wanted to. And the other thing is, too, maybe I just was not in, like, maybe if I watch this next month and the sun is shining and everything's great in my life, maybe I'll like it more. But I don't think so. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's get back to was, the storyline, though. Okay. Another. Okay. So in the story, he's just trying to get out of this insane asylum. And his, his method for getting out of the insane asylum um, is questionable. He uh, he decides the best way to get out is to get in front of a panel of doctors who are trying to decide if he's insane or not and tell them the most insane sounding thing imaginable. Yeah. Like, you know how this is going to go. Like, you yeah. know that they're – like, do you think they're going to be like, oh, he's just a time traveler? <laughs> yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> oh, you got yeah. work to do. Oh, gosh. Yeah, figure out, figure out how the plague that hasn't happened yet happened. Oh, okay. yeah. Five million people are going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, cool. Do us all a favor. Yeah, save us. See ya. Yeah. But then there's her, and she goes, I know that I've seen this guy before. I have a fe- I've got a feeling about this one. Don't you know? Oh, yeah. So that never really got super cleared up for me. Why, why did she see him before? Because she saw him in the airport because she traveled in time, too. I don't know. And that's why I was— Oh, maybe it was—maybe, maybe, maybe, maybe it was the picture— Remember that picture oh, from, from World when he War goes One, to like nineteen seventeen. Yeah. No, because she Was doesn't that discover it? that picture until nineteen ninety six. So we meet her in nineteen ninety, in the hospital. He goes back. She's like, "What the fuck? This guy escaped! Oh my god! What did he get through the vents? That's fishy." But still, he escaped. <laughs> nineteen ninety six yeah. rolls around. 
He's, I think, been homeless for a bit. He smells bad. He's a little while, looks yeah. Looks like shit. He gets mm-hmm. in her car after she's giving a lecture about the Cassandra theory, which is, you know, interesting. He puts her in the car. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God, I remember you from 1990. So he's, like, rewriting the past by having gone back to the past. But before he ends up in 1996, we see him in 1917 on a battlefield. So when he's in the car in 1996, he has a bullet in his leg. Yeah. And she goes, oh, my God, you've been shot. And he goes, yeah, well, it's, I can't explain it. She takes the bullet out. It's an antique. It's an antique. We find out from the ballistics test that it's from 1917. Wah, 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 wah. Crazy shit is happening. I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, okay. Have you also seen the movie Looper? I haven't, but I hear it's really great. I love Looper. It's it's literally it's one of my favorite movies. It's time travel with Bruce Willis. Is that so? Bruce Willis. Oh my God! You have to see Looper. It's so good because it's it's Bruce Willis and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the makeup in that movie is incredible because they make they make Bruce Willis look a little bit like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and they make Joseph Gordon-Levitt look a lot like Bruce Willis. Ooh, and it's just. It's kind of fucking crazy, but it's it's just about. I mean, I'm not gonna exp- give you the whole plot of the movie, but it's it's about this like guy who, uh, uh, in, in the future, there's like people who have powers, and like this guy, and there's time travelers who travel back in time to assassinate people from history. It's just conf- I don't know. It's confusing, but watch time the movie. travel movies are confusing. It's hard to explain. Yeah, you just have to watch the movie. But it's with Bruce Willis. Yeah. where he meets. Bruce Willis goes back in time and meets his former, his younger version of himself. Right, which is what I thought was going to happen in this movie, right? He did, though. But he did. Right, okay, so... But not like he'd meet. So he goes back to this one memory that he has, which is Uh in the airplane hangar. Mm. So he visits himself when he's younger, but he wants to stay in the past, even though he knows that the apocalypse is coming because he likes fresh air. No, he doesn't. No, he wants to stay in the past because he's like, he he's convinced himself that it's all fake. He's like, oh wait, oh. you're right. This, yeah, he convinces himself. He's like, oh wait, I am crazy. He's like, this none of this is real. I, I am. There's no like people who are making me time travel. I just am a little crazy. And uh, you're right. And there's like a moment of like calm where he's like, you're right. I am crazy. And uh, you know, it's something that I'm working on. And she's like, no, 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 you're not. Because look at this picture of you from 1917. And and he's like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I understand like in a very literal sense, this movie is not that good. I mean, it's, it's at face value. I think it's okay, but it's just that because it's about time travel and the, the way that they sort of talk about it in like time is like a, a circular thing where, you know, there's no real start or finish. And like the way that it sort of his memory as a child all comes together as something that was going to happen no matter what. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So the idea, so that's, what's interesting for me because the idea of the movie and the idea of time travel and, and the things that you think about when you think about this film, I'm all on board for but for me, just purely because of my tastes, I yeah. didn't, for me, it was like more like aesthetic. 
um, the acting, the angles. Like I just, it's a weird thing to just be like, I, I understand why it's good and why the yeah. world likes it. I just, it's not on brand for me. Like I just don't, <laughs> I didn't care for it. And it's That's okay. And it's, I'm yeah, not trying to convince you to like no, it. No, 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 no. It's totally okay. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like when you come to like you and I talking about movies every week and like really analyzing all these things. And then for me to just be like, but unfortunately I don't have much to say other than that. I did. I didn't like it. You know, kind of like we kind of just like puts a stopper in the whole thing. Okay. Well, all right. Let me just read off some of the notes that I have then. Um, and see if, see if those, uh, do anything for you. Brad Pitt is just doing like Kramer on PCP basically. Yeah, exactly. I didn't like the one eye closed thing. I did not like that, but I, <laughs> I thought it was like fun. Like I thought it was fun. Like, Oh, Brad Pitt's being fun. Yeah. Um, I guess he just took away his cigarettes. Did you already say that? He took away his cigarettes. Yeah, because it gave him a lazy tongue. The speech yeah. therapist took away his cigarettes. Um, and also Brad Pitt was doing that thing. <laughs> uh, he was doing that thing with his head that newborn babies do, <laughs> where they struggle <laughs> to keep their head up, so they like do like that weird like yeah slight thing, and like yeah. you're like, oh, they gonna is their head gonna fall off? <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like a Johnny Depp. In Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas kind of vibes, but Which way less in, good. <laughs> no, I hate Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That movie stresses me out so much. Yeah, I know. I know. I love that movie because it really, really stresses me out. Like, it serves its fucking purpose. <laughs> you are on drugs when you are watching that movie. Yeah. Yes, it's crazy. Well, in, in, in this movie has a lot of comparisons drawn to fear and loathing like i, I saw that in two different reviews um oh, really? people compared it to that i didn't read like modern reviews. reviews yeah that's so interesting also because brad uh johnny depp was up for that role right yeah i didn't look at the oscar nominees but i did i mean obviously brad pitt won he won a golden uh, globe but he was nominated supporting. for sporting <laughs> i said best supporting uh he was nominated for i mean i feel like the golden globes were just trying to separate themselves yeah. From the Oscars by by letting Brad Pitt win. Because wasn't Kevin Spacey in Usual Suspects like amazing? Yeah, and he won I never he won that. the Oscar that year for best supporter. Right. But like shouldn't it have been like unanimous? I I don't know. Who's oh, I thought start? I thought it was like an unbelievably good role and like no I mean no offense to Brad. I'm happy for him that he won. Um I think he should have won for something else, though. I mean, this was an okay... I mean, I guess it was the most charactery performance. Well, so that's my thinking about this movie. I think if I had... I think it was probably pretty groundbreaking when it came out, but it's just not groundbreaking anymore. And maybe we are so used to seeing him do better performances, like in Legend, that we... You and I are particularly more um, critical of him. Yeah, that probably... You're probably right. They won... It won Best Costume Design, too, at the Oscars that year. Like what? Why? Well, some of the costumes were kind of amazing. Like whose? Uh, like all the people in the future. I mean, sure. I mean, the very first thing that I wrote on my notes is, okay, 12 Monkeys Bruce Willis Halloween costume. I think maybe because oh, he had at the very beginning when he got in his like time traveler suit, it was like, remember he like put on that latex thing and yeah. then he had like – like a weird spacesuit, and then he put yeah. like that plastic. Th- I mean, yeah, it looks I actually cool. did like that. I did like that spacesuit thing where he puts on like a full body condom. Yeah, and then washes body down. Condom. And we see his ass for the first time. And then we see it again, like almost immediately after. 
My first note that I wrote was fun, fun, fun. Abandoned Manhattan, animals roaming everywhere equals heaven to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can thank the 12 monkeys for that. I would live up there all the time. Um, Fun, fun, fun. There was a bear and a lion. (laughs) I know, but think of all the littlest critters. I would live up (laughs) above the ground. Why stay below? Yeah, true. I'd live above the ground. Um, there already are little critters in New York, though. Are you just? Oh do you... my god! I took a video the other day of a of a rat who I really fell in love with. This rat. My train was like an hour and a half. Or it was an hour and a half. It was a half an hour late, and it was like eleven thirty at night. And I'd already committed to getting on the train and not taking a car. And I saw this little rodent, this rat, who was trying to drag a full container of Indian food off of the tracks. <laughs> 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 and I really fell in love with him and I was giving him all of the confidence that he needed. And he <laughs> aggressively pulls a full fucking takeout care container of um I'll put it on our Instagram. It's really engaging. And I almost I almost Instagrammed it myself and I almost sent it to my friends. And then I was like, wait a minute, no, people probably don't. Why did you not send it to me? I would have loved to see <laughs> well, that. Well, I'll send it to you right now. I yeah, just please think- do. Well, I just – some people really don't like rats. I'm all about them. I'm all about any animal. I don't like rats, but if I saw that, I would like that rat. He just had so much gumption and gusto. I'm texting it to you right now. And I really appreciate that about sometimes – some of the, like, you know, those scavenger animals, like seagulls and stuff, like watching a seagull try to break into something. Oh, my God. It's their whole it's... life force is dedicated to this <laughs> one thing, you know? Yeah. It is. Or like, have you, ugh, like a sea otter? Have you ever seen a sea otter try to get into a clam? No. I you should watch sea otters getting into clams. They I use a special rock. I mean, first of all, fun fact about sea otters. If they find a rock that they like, they'll save it. It's because it's their favorite rock. Don't you tell me these things on I'm, my uh, heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. They'll save a favorite rock. And then when they get to a clam, they use the rock to get in the clam. And the... When they're getting into that clam, it's the only thing in the universe that matters. And when they get frustrated because it's too hard to get into it and they give up, it's so sad and so cute because they're just like, fuck this stupid clam. It's too goddamn tight and they can't get into – okay. There is a sexual metaphor here. I was going to say that's like the guy I went on a date with last week. <laughs> he was a real tight clam. I was the tight clam. You gross. <laughs> Okay, we're going to talk about 12 Monkeys again. We don't even – so I guess I was – we haven't really talked about the storyline. It's hard to talk about because it's not linear. So I guess just watch the movie and then you understand what we're talking about. Or do you want to finish the – It's not really – I mean it's not really necessary I don't think. I mean – Yeah. I mean here's another – okay. I'm just going to keep reading through my notes because those – I took notes in chronological order. So it's kind of – maybe it will ring a bell. Right. Um, I'm glad I don't have voices in my head because – they're very confusing. Like that guy, like how um, Bruce Willis had that guy's voice in his head throughout the movie. I still don't 100% know. Remember Bob? No. Oh, well, there's this guy, Bob, who was a voice in his head throughout the movie and kept talking to him. And he was the homeless man on the street who pulled oh, out all of his teeth. Oh, right, right, right. And he pulled out his teeth because that's how they bring you back. But then he kept talking to him throughout, in other ways. He'd be like, hey, like, you know. See, I told you, or something like that. He would just say stuff to him, and he'd be like, "Wait, Bob, like, is that you?" And like, <laughs> so, oh, like, oh, oh no, 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 no. Bob was his cellmate. 
And he was also there in 1917, and he was also there when they first go to the 12 Monkeys Lair. Right. And the, when the opening scene is he and Bob are talking. Right. No, no, no. That's, that's Juan or something. Ugh. That guy is interesting, too, but in his own way. He dies um, in 1917. No, he didn't. They pulled him out because remember he comes back in 1997. Oh yeah, and he has the disgusting goiters on his face. Probably because of the the injury from 1917. Yeah, I mean, is this uh, even going to be listenable? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. We're jumbling and jangling around. We're just rambling. <laughs> I'm into it though. It was worth it for me for the otter story. <laughs> <laughs> Another completely random off the wall note. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they brought him back and they were like, well, you didn't do your job, did you? You didn't get any notes. I thought they were being a little harsh on him considering they sent him to the wrong year. A hundred percent, those assholes. It's like, give him a break. You sent him to the wrong goddamn year. You didn't give him any training. He's trying to do the <laughs> very best he can. He was stuck in an insane asylum the entire time. Honestly, cut this guy some slack. Some slack, just like a little bit of the slack. But then again, it's like, again, what what did you want from him? You wanted him to solve the mission just right then and there? I know, right? Um, so also another note I had was that once he goes back and it's 1997, I just sort of felt like he like <laughs> he like lost a lot of credibility in what he had to say because he was listening to everybody and everything they give a lot of merit to bridge to- trolls, like random ass people who are saying, who just come up to them and start talking and they like listen and they're like, wait, that's the guy or whatever. And it's like 80% of the interactions that they have in this movie on the street and stuff like that with like strangers. If I encountered that and someone like started talking to me, I would just say, be like, you know, fuck off. Like I would never, like yeah, I Yeah, but that's probably there just to like make us feel like shit's going off the rails and it's very uncomfortable when strangers talk to you on the street and like adds to the like, to the, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on sort of feeling that you're supposed to feel when you watch it. Maybe. Yeah. If that maybe. Makes sense. Um, that girl who plays the therapist, she looks like Winona Ryder, doesn't she? She looks just like Winona Ryder. She wishes. I mean, except Winona Ryder's a better actor, but um, who is that girl, by the way? We didn't even, I didn't even like She's all up. up. She was all up in the 90s. I'll tell you exactly who she was. Um, give me two seconds, would you? Two shakes of a winky. Style. Madeline Stowe. Madeline Stowe. She is famous for very many things. Oh, Last of the Mohicans. She was in Last of the Mohicans. She was in. Oh, sure. uh, She's in the 12 Monkeys. TV series. Right. So when I first went to go look this up, I was like, oh, great. It's streaming on Hulu. And then I said, oh, no, it's not. That's this TV series from 2015 that's still going on. Yeah, anyway. So let's talk about Bradley Pitt in this role and who he ends up being. So they think that he is responsible for... He's hatching... Yeah, he's responsible for the plague. He's hatching this big grand plan. But then... It turns out he's just a wackadoo who wants to let all the animals out. Which, bless his heart. Bless his heart, and God bless ye everyone. And then it makes sense why these two fu- these like morons in the 12 Monkeys Lair are like, what's he up to now, goins? <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Oh, he's really going to yeah. get us in trouble now. And I'm like, why would... It? These people don't seem like they want to wipe out the human race. Also, it's no. funny that the movie is called 12 Monkeys. Based on Goins's Like, they already trick us from the very beginning. Just by the title, by virtue of the title, we think it's going to be him. Well, yeah, because that's what the whole movie... The whole movie is about him trying to find out more about 12 Monkeys. So whether or not it's him, I think, is irrelevant. I think... The movie, what the movie's about is the 12 monkeys, then them searching for the 12 monkeys. Yeah. But I guess I do see what you're saying. Like it is, you think that they're going to be more significant in the, than they are because in the end, they're not significant at all. Which is probably the best part. It's sort of like a seven thing where it's like, oh, okay, well, I wasn't expecting that. All right, great. It's a good twist. Great twist. There's the twist. That's a good twist. That's the good twist because outside of the like, what the fuck is going on in um, time travel? Yeah, I think that's the one thing I liked. I was like, all right, and, okay. And you liked Bruce Willis's costume at the beginning. <laughs> so two things. And I liked Brad Pitt's ass. Right, his little tiny butt cheeks. And I liked uh, I liked reading about the Cassandra complex and just thinking about people coming back and whether or not I'd think they were crazy and what it would take for me to be turned. You know, like if somebody really did come back from the future. Like I like thinking about time travel. Yeah, same. And I so I like the idea behind this. I just didn't like the execution, if that makes sense. You know who else does a pretty good time travel story is um, Chuck Palahniuk, who uh, he wrote Rant. Him. Have you read Rant? I haven't read Rant, but I've read like all, nearly all, all of his stuff. Re- you should read Rant if you like Chuck Palahniuk, which I think at you know at a certain point it sort of feels like you outgrow Chuck Palahniuk because he um, he's one of them. He's one of those. Yeah, I read. Ch- I just reread Choke. Did you ever read Choke? Yeah, it's it's corny. After on upon rereading, you're yeah. like, oh wow. But when I was younger, I was like, damn. He wrote Fight Club, Chuck. Yeah, he wrote Fight Club. I'm in love with him, and he's my number one most favorite. No, yeah, Fight Club's pretty good. Uh, Rant is is very very good. Though it's it's a written in a unique way, mm-hmm. and it's about time travel, and it's kind of fucked up. It's yeah. in a good way. Right. I I think I want to reread it actually because if if it holds up, then it's really good. Let's. It might be cheesy. Let's reread it. I am just finishing a new book. I'm reading the best book ever right now. That I never want to end. I got to fifty pages and I haven't been able to pick it back up because I don't want it to end. What the, book? It's called The Bridge of Clay. It's just a multi generational drama about a family and which is my favorite thing anyway (laughs) um let me just fire off a couple more um observations i have okay uh thin mustache on brad pitt does not work not working for me. no his hair well we'll get there but okay so we'll get there in a minute um she's a doctor um and you think that she's like a psychiatrist doctor turns Mm -hmm. out she's also a medical doctor who can operate yeah and take bullets out Cool. So she's that. It's just doctor <laughs> is an all-encompassing term, which is great. I love that story. Um, yeah. I I think that this movie sort of descends into like hyperrealism, and mm. I think it works. Like okay. that's what I I kind of like is that it it was at first it was corny and overplayed, and then it sort of became hyperrealism, which is why I think I liked it. Yeah. But let me ask you a question. When you were watching it, were you like fully engaged in watching it? It's two hours and nine yes. minutes long, and you were like in the whole time. Yep. I my brain could not stay there. I just kept wandering oh, away, why. which is why, again, it's like I like the idea, but for me, it just didn't. It's just like this movie was not made for me. <laughs> well, you know? have you ever seen that movie Run Lola Run? I feel like I saw it when I was younger, but I don't remember. I can't speak to it. 
it's a it's another time traveling movie, but it's made in the early nineties. I think it was made in nineteen eighty one, and it's it's kind of has this sort of frantic, hyper realistic overacting feeling yeah. to it. Yeah. And so and I love that movie. And so I think I sort of had that in the back of my mind while I was watching this, which made it easier for me to, to digest this because I, I sort of felt like it was a familiar place. Mm, but No, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I, uh, just while you were saying that, was reminded of The Time Traveler's Wife, which is another uh, time travel movie. Didn't see it. It is a romantic movie um, produced by Brad Pitt and Plan B Productions, which is why I bring it up. But that's my kind of shit. That's like bring on the tears, romance from the very beginning. I don't have to I should think watch too hard. Like you never have to think too hard about what's going on. You don't have to like try to like outsmart the filmmaker. You just are told he can travel back in time. Ugh, I weep, I weep, I weep. <laughs> well, the... <laughs> Brad Pitt produced it. Well, yeah, it. I mean, this movie is not that. This movie is a film, like a F capital fill. It's a film. <laughs> yeah, it's a Sundance. This yeah. is a Sundance film. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I know I keep saying this, and it's such a trite and stupid thing to say, but I wonder uh, how it would have felt about it when I, if I saw it and I was this age when it came out. Speaking of time travel, maybe I should go develop some time travel and travel back to 1995 when this came out <laughs> and really well, mold. Tell you what, <laughs> if I traveled back to 1995, the last thing I would want to do is sit down and watch 12 Monkeys. Okay, well. Fair enough. If I travel back to 1995, I would like go be best friends with Brad Pitt and change the course of history. I would go back in time and I would um, do something to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. Oh, I'd get in early. Yeah. Get in early and figure something Just out. Just murder him. I wasn't sure if I wanted to say that on the podcast, but that's sort of what I was implying. Yeah, I mean, well, if it was not him, then it would have been somebody else. This is why time travel is so fun, right? I mean, endless, like, yeah. what would you, okay, so, all right, well, let's just, let's, let's, let's do this. What this would you do? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's play with this. What would you do if you could travel back in time one time and you can't return? Where so would you go? What would in you order do? to change the course of history? No, just to just, whatever, if you want, if that's what you want, if that's how you want to spend your one travel. I think we've talked about this before. I would go to the late 1800s and I would take a hot air balloon around the world <laughs> and I would see the Victorian era in England. I would see uh, um, Civil War, East Coast. Um, I would go to the fucking wild, wild west, cowboys and Indians time, Deadwood time. And I'd go and I'd be with the Romanovs in Russia. And I, I just feel like 1860, 75 to like 1907 are like cars are coming trains are it's just like fucking boomtown yeah but god forbid you get like a cut on your finger and then you get um like it's infected and you just get your whole arm amputated yeah but that's like everything before penicillin that's every year before penicillin pretty much yeah exactly so you'd go to what like 1975 (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) i bet you would Mr. Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, I mean, it, sure, it might be fun to go somewhere. But, like, imagine if I, like, I would, I mean, this is, like, Back to the Future. Like, I yeah. would go to a year that's not that far away, and I would make some wild predictions. And I would um, oh, become a god. Become very rich. Yeah. No, not a god. I would, like, make some wrong predictions. Just, just to, to throw them off. I would make some wild predictions just to, you know, remain human and keep people on their toes. Uh-huh. But 
and I wouldn't quite become a god, but I I would uh, just be very rich. And it's and what like would the you do 70s. with those riches? I mean, it's the seventies. Oh, I would avoid getting AIDS. Oh, so you or... are going to the seventies? Okay. And are you living a full life, or is this like a year? You know, no, you you, you, you only have back. one travel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You only have uh, one jump. Yeah, I would. That's definitely. why I wouldn't go to the 1800s because I'd be like, ooh. I'd go to the 1800s. I'd be a fucking madam of a whorehouse in the 1800s. Let me tell you, I'd run <laughs> those so women down. Uh, They'd you be would. Clean. You'd be really good at it. I would be the best madam, you know. And you're not the first person to tell me that. Keep my <laughs> girls clean. Keep them on their toes. Well, it's like Westworld, like. Imagine going to the Wild West. We've talked about Westworld on this. Ah, oh, fuck yeah. I don't. Westworld's the worst. Deadwood's the best. If you want to talk late 1800s. I just like the idea of the Civil War happening in the East and fucking Boomtown, anything goes, territory on the West. And like England's, just like the whole world was on fire with creation at that time. And I would live forever because I will have had the information that I needed, like to clean your germs. And like to use soap. <laughs> I'd know I about guess that STDs. That was like the big fault. I'd bring like, condoms into the game. Bring like a big, huge box of condoms yeah, I'd from be, the future. I'd be rich too. Like, so that, that way I don't have. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a fun conversation. Maybe we should do a podcast in which we only do movies about time travel because clearly there's a lot. Oh, of them. that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about this movie about. Time travel. Let me give you some ratings. Give me some ratings. Okay. So Google, 89%. Oh, my. Rotten Tomatoes, 89%. Whoa. IMDb, 8 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic, 74. Mm -hmm. And here's for our favorite of all, Entertainment Weekly, B+. (laughs) I mean, every single rating they give, I just, I, I scoff. <laughs> I laugh in the face of their critics. <laughs> B plus. No matter yeah. what it is, even if they're like A plus, I'm like, ugh. Fuck you. So, fuck you, EW. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I think that's interesting because those are pretty on par with what I would give this movie, I think. Really? You're up there at an 89%? Well, probably more like a 70. Okay, well, watch, let's just launch into our ratings then. Okay, well, actually, no, I want to give money. I want to tell, talk oh, about yeah, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the so, box office. Let's just say that you always do the money because I like when you do the money. You always do the ratings. Yeah. I, I, we've sort of fallen into it, and I think I like that, how it is. Side note, uh, people are starting to listen more to this podcast, and I just like that we've kind of come to a rhythm now. Like, we know who does what, what goes where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it makes things flow smoother. Mm-hmm. So give me the money stats. Okay, so the money stats on its uh, it had a budget of twenty nine point five million mm-hmm. from Universal Studios. Terry Gilliam was terrified of going over budget because he went over budget once before and he was kind of in the hole for it. Not literally like in debt, but like that's studios, right. And all the actors studios. cut their pay so that they could do it just for the chance of working with him. Yeah, Bruce Willis did it for free. He mm-hmm. did it on he did it on points, which means he did it. Uh, he got paid once the movie made money. Yeah. Um, which is a big deal to do that. Um, Especially at the height of your career. Exactly. The yeah. height of your career, you're doing a movie on points. It's yeah. insane. Um, but it worked out for it him. It speaks to Terry Gilliam, though. 
I mean, what it does. Yeah. He, yeah. everybody got, the other thing is too, Brad Pitt was in this movie. He still wasn't quite, he made this movie and then the three movies that launched him into stardom came out. So he actually didn't get paid the Brad Pitt salary yet. And he took a cut on that just to work with Terry Gilliam. Yeah. I'm tired of reading about how Brad Pitt, uh, was relatively unknown. Yeah. I like, think this is even it. now, no more. This must be the last one because yeah. in 1996, they were like, or in, when I was reading about this movie, they were like, Brad Pitt, who is still relatively unknown. And I'm like, mm-hmm. please stop. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. I'm ready for him to not be unknown. I'm ready Me for him to be like, too. oh my God, Brad Pitt got attached to this movie. Yeah. Um, anyway, so a 29.5 million budget. It was the worst production ever. There was no, there was like terrible weather. They were shooting in, in Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, and Ooh. it was just the worst weather. Gross. And they were over budget, or they were, they were like behind schedule and, just everything was going poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they managed to stay in their budget. And then in the box office, uh, they had a worldwide release. Like we said before um, at the beginning, their initial release was 1995, uh, December like 28th, 1995. And then their wide release was January something, 1996. When they had their wide release uh, in the U.S., they knocked off Toy Story from the number one spot. And they took the number one spot. Oh, well, good for them. Yeah. That's a big um, one. It is. It's a big one. I mean, it was Toy Story's like eighth week, but still. <laughs> um, their domestic haul was 57.1 million, which is on a 13, pretty good. On a 13? Do- on the 13. On a 13 million dollar budget. 29.5. Okay. 57 is not bad. I mean, they make their money back, um, but it's not really jaw dropping and then mm. but the, what is interesting is that their foreign haul was 111.7 million wow so they had a much bigger success foreign than they did domestic and i think it might be because movies like that do well foreign i mean bruce willis was super famous <laughs> the american public doesn't like to think <laughs> turns out no and this movie was a little bit of a thinker i mean yeah. it's cool but it's like sci-fi and you time travel. like you it's not fluff you have to think about what's going on you kind of do in mm-hmm. order to like, in, like you don't have to think about what's going on and you can just kind of enjoy, you know, sort of the story if you're just like paying attention. But and that's why they put the romance in there, which pisses me off. It's like, OK, well, at the very least, two people are in love. Yeah. It's like at the very least, I'm just going to give you this. Romance. Yeah. So useless. Um, yeah, whatever. Whatever. So for it's, it's worldwide, 168.8 million. Not a bad haul. Uh, made some good money. They made their money back. Yeah. Um, good for them. Yeah. That's the money story. Uh, I sent you the video of Brad Pitt accepting his first Golden Globe. I did. And he I goes, did. he says, like, thank you for the most, what does he say? Like, this, thank you for the most nerve-wracking moment of my life or something like this. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, awesome. you're a person, Bradley. You're a person with real emotions and you're more comfortable acting than you are being yourself on stage in front of millions of people. He is. And he says, thank you to my... My one true love, Gwyneth Paltrow, or something like that. Mm-hmm. They break up a year later. They get engaged shortly after this, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yep, and then they break up. They were together for two and a half years, so they they break up a year later. I saw an interview with her at those Golden Globes where she was saying, um, or no, it wasn't at those Golden Globes. It was must have been right after where she they're talking about their new engagement, and she mm-hmm. was like, she's like, yeah, well, we've been together for quite some time, so it's not really, you know, it's not just out of the blue or anything like that. And we take, we both take the institution of marriage very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. 
And then, and then little does she know. Apart. I know. I started to read articles about that. And then I said, I'm going to save that for when they break up. Because there's it was a huge media blitz. Like, it was like the biggest thing ever when they broke up. Um, let's do our ratings. Oh, yeah. Our ratings. Duh. Okay. Uh, I'll do mine first okay. this time. Okay. My overall rating mm-hmm. for this movie, I think I'm going to go with a... Um, like a seven and a half. Great. Yeah. Story checks out for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it a four and a half. A four. I wow. Just, that's you low. know why? Like not for the people who are listening to this and not by virtue of the movie, but because I don't want to watch it again. Fair. So like for and me personally, a it's a four. If I'm going to, I guess, you know what? That's not fair. I can't really judge movies like that because assuming people are listening and they want to know how I feel, I think five and a half, four to five. Just say five. Just say five. Fucking five. It gets a five. It's fine. Five is 50%. You know, you'll like a couple of things about it. You understand why it's You're significant. Right. Thank you for parsing that out for me. I didn't know how I felt. And that's it's how okay. I know that we're doing good here because you know how I feel. <laughs> I know how you feel. You <laughs> you, got you understand it. why it's good, but you just did not like. So five is fine. Great. Okay, uh, now let's talk about Mr. Pitt. This is an unfortunate one for me because yes, I appreciate how much he brought to the character. I appreciate the gusto behind and his intentions behind it, but I didn't enjoy watching him on screen. I didn't think Same. he was particularly attractive, which is not what he's supposed to be, and he would hate to hear me say that. I'm going to give him a five, six. I'll give him a six for effort. I'm going to give him a six too, because I, I agree. I mean, he just like, he was, I was kind of cringing at his like portrayal of a crazy person. Yeah. Um, and the Johnny Depp thing and the contacts and the, like the eye twitch. It's like, come on, buddy. You can do better than that. I mean, it won him a golden globe, but I don't know why it must've been because they wanted to offset the usual suspects. Like, yeah. you know, awards. It would be, like, different than the Oscars. That must have been it. Because yeah. it, it's, like, Brad Pitt's performance was really... It was... I mean, I'll give him that it was memorable. Mm-hmm. And he... It showed his versatility as an actor that he could do this. Yeah. He could do, like, this kind of thing. Yeah, um, and he really fought for it. Like, he went out for this role. Like, nobody asked him to audition. He, like... He wanted to be in this movie. He wanted to work with Terry Gilliam. So I appreciate that. It makes me take him a little bit more serious cerebrally, but not in practice. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, his hair. Oh, like a four. It changes, though. There's like the last scene. He has like really small bangs and long hair on the sides. And he sort of looks like Winona Ryder in uh, Beetlejuice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm a four too it's not even worth discussing that fucking thin mustache no it's low it's a low 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 score this is a low episode for brad himself but a high episode for for films in general i suppose for you not for me it's just a it's a not a low yeah i mean i know what you're saying yeah but i think that he uh it's a very important movie in his career and his acting career because mm-hmm. it's such a character piece right and i did write down on as a side note like it's so fun for us to be able to watch him play so many different things as he's trying to discover himself like in the last four weeks we've seen so many different versions and like this one was a miss but we've seen a lot of hits 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like in terms of like the journey of this podcast, this is a great role for him because we got to see him try to do something and fail, which we haven't really done before. Well, he didn't fail. Like he won a Golden Globe, so he didn't like fail miserably. But he, he failed for me. He failed to take me there. He never took me there. Although his butt could have taken me there. <laughs> took me. His butt took me somewhere else. <laughs> um. So next week we are going to be watching Sleepers, which is also from 1996. It's got Kevin Bacon. It's got Dustin Hoffman. We're talking Robert De Niro. I mean, it's got the whole game. Biggest of all for me. Is, De Niro? No, Brad Renfro. He died shortly after of a heroin overdose, but his pictures from Seventeen, from Teen Bop, all those magazines were plastered all over my bedroom. Brad Renfro was the love of my fucking life when this movie came out. Uh, he's a cutie. I, why do I not remember him? Because he only did a th- couple movies. He did a movie called The Cure about a young kid who has AIDS. That's when I really fell in love with him. And then he did Sleepers, mm-hmm. and I think he did two more movies, and then he died. But he was my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate crush and still kind of defines what I like in men. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see him act again as a grown-up. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you just be all flustered by him. And in person. We're going to record uh, at my house, your house. Oh, yeah, we're going to be... At my house, at our house, it's our house. At our our house, in the middle of Hillhurst. Anyway, um, thanks for tuning in to this one. It was a real time yeah, hop. Yeah, thanks for listening, buddy. Time hop um, and tibble. <laughs> yeah, whatever the fuck a tibble is. <laughs> um, follow us on all of our socials, and if you have any questions, not a single person has ever emailed us <laughs> on email. <laughs> I wonder if Brad Pitt will be our first email as well as our first Twitter follow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, 15 of his accounts follow us on Instagram. So he certainly knows about us. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Watch the movie Sleepers starring Brad Renfro. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.